welcome. Hello. Welcome to the Anxious in Austin podcast. Again. Yep. <laughs> We're back. Thanks for listening to us. Um, I am Dr. Marianne Stout, and this is... Dr. Thomas Smithyman. We are two psychologists here in Austin, Texas, at the Anxiety Treatment Center of Austin, ready to talk all things anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, today, from our many listeners... No, just kidding. We came up with this topic on our own. Um, yeah. Without all of your email responses. Um, we, have, we decided... What would be most useful, or what do we get a lot of just clinically people coming to see us for, and a lot of interest? also what is really common, right? Yeah. Like what else is really? I mean, I remember seeing seeing uh, uh, survey statistic. Depending on the survey, between ten percent and forty percent of people. Oh, our topic is flying oh, phobia. Have flying phobia, fear of flying. <laughs> yeah. Wow, I didn't realize it was that high yeah which I, I mean, guess don't, makes sense don't you kind of notice that just like just like oh. talking to people in general like it's a sure yeah and so then it's going to be probably an even smaller percentage that actually comes to see us yeah it's interfering with your ability but i to think function. it's fairly common like, like most people you talk to they're like somewhat like member of their family or someone they knows they know doesn't fly because mm-hmm. because of, of fear of flying do you think that is from like the biological like fears of dropping right like babies like even when they're born they have Uh the reflex to startle when you if they're going to be dropped i mean i'm curious i mean yeah i have no research to back this up probably i mean mean, that that and i mean i wonder how much it is a don't we have also kind of innate fear of heights and fear of enclosed Spaces. spaces So we got kind of all of those things. Yeah, so we're not set up. So pilots and yeah. airline personnel are like odd birds when it comes to yeah, them. Yeah, <laughs> maybe, you know, we habituate to stuff. But mm-hmm. I, I know there's, there was that research on phobias from years ago now that we were more prone to phobias that lined up with evolutionary concerns. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Well, we are here to talk about why you should not be afraid of flying. Um, And I do think this is one that people a lot of times, right, like this is that fight between their logical brain and their anxious brain because, Mm -hmm. right, like often I will, clinically speaking, like work with people who have a a flying phobia but let their spouses fly or family members fly, right? Like so if it was like this pure belief that it is so dangerous to fly every time, right, like you're not going to let your loved ones do it so I think there's that like disconnect there's a Mm. common disconnect between I get it that this doesn't make a whole lot of sense and still but still it's so uncomfortable Mm -hmm. I I reckon that's partly because once you're on the flight like they lock the doors and they tell you hey we've locked the doors and it's going to be $10,000 fine you know (laughs) so it's not like you dip your toe in and leave yeah get on the flight you're on that flight yes that's true. You're up in the air. You can't leave. You, you're you're on it. Yeah. Which is like leads to a lot of the anticipatory anxiety, yeah. right? Like uh-huh. people are so afraid of once they shut the door and I'm stuck there and yeah. oh my gosh. And I have a lot of people say like, oh, when we start to land, then I'm fine. Uh-huh. Even though you're still technically flying, but it's the knowing that I can have the escape, right? I'm yeah. not stuck mm-hmm. so much. It's gonna help with it. Um, yeah. Interesting. Well, to start with some of the like cognitive restructuring piece yeah well what what kind of 
What evidence is yeah, well, there for well, how it is what, safe? What kind of fears do you, do you find people have? Oh, because well, because I, I think I mean in order to do cognitive stuff, we got to know what the what the concerns what it, are. Yeah, right? identify fear. Um, well, they say the two most common right fear of a, a panic attack or kind of going crazy on mm-hmm. a plane versus the fear of like the plane is going to crash and I'm going to die on the plane. Yeah, which I often will get. People have panic attacks, but they're not necessarily afraid of the panic attack. They're yeah. afraid of the the plane crashing. Uh-huh. Or I think it, what clinically speaking, I have less common is the fear of like, yeah, I'm going to go crazy and okay. from the panic attack. I, I, I get that one. Yeah. 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 I get um, some of those. I feel like you, you get a whole range of stuff. Yes. But I think like right at the end of the day, it is kind of mm-hmm. broken into, am I going to go crazy or am I going to die? kind of piece totally yeah that's that's kind of the bulk of it um so yeah I guess a lot of the evidence that I have is not on the what if I go crazy from a panic attack uh huh stuff that I've been okay evidence looking up against it sure yeah um but yes maybe that is something we should touch on too then are you gonna go crazy if you have a panic attack on a plane um quick answer no no, no. Panic attack is not going to make Just, you yeah. go crazy. It's going to make you super uncomfortable and have a lot Anxious, of... Anxious, uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah, not not dangerous. Yes. Can be uncomfortable. Super uncomfortable, but we'll get into it. But the more that you can lean into that discomfort, yeah. the less power that it has. And, and again, you know, it's, it's discomfort because it's your threat system kicking in to try to protect you from a danger, which is... We're saying not actually there, but mm-hmm. all it is is just your threat system trying to protect you. It's uncomfortable because you're sitting in a seat trying not, you know, what you want to do is get out and run around and, you know, fight things and you can't Escape. because you... So you got to sit still with all that stuff going on inside you, which is uncomfortable, but if you sit and wait it out, mm-hmm. it kind of does its thing and comes comes back down. Again, not dangerous, just uncomfortable. Yep. For sure. Um, sorry, I'm having lots of thoughts about uh-huh. the panic attack one. Yeah. We'll come back to that because, I, again, I think more of what I get is the people having the like, fear of the plane crashing. Yeah, plane crash. Okay. Um, so I just have some, like, statistics that I often go over with uh-huh. clients that I think can be helpful Sounds because great. this is a common fear. Mm-hmm. Um, so some of the ones I have, uh, according to the Federal Aviation Administration, there's a 1 in 11 million chance of being involved in an airplane accident. And this is the one I love. 96 per- okay. Yeah, 96% of passengers survive airline accidents, which is crazy, right? Like, you think, like, if I'm in a plane crash, uh-huh. I'm definitely going to die. But that's really not the case. That's interesting, right? Necessarily. Huh? Yeah, this is one of the things that you think of as being, well, we're so high up. And even a lot of, um, most of the fatalities, this is for the European Transport Safety Council, most uh-huh. of the fatalities are a result of fire-related factors, including smoke inhalation after impact. Till the time, it's like I can't escape the plane once it's crashed. Uh-huh. So it's not and the I, actual impact of yeah. the plane, it's the smoke and mm-hmm. fire that happens afterwards. Mm-hmm. It's like an equal. So 96 percent 
survival rate. Mm-hmm. It's pretty good odds. It's pretty good odds, right? <laughs> if you are that one in 11 million. Yes, if you happen to be. Oh, yeah, and these are some of the other ones that I really like. Uh-huh. Um, in 2011, mm-hmm. 7.9 million people flew in the U.S. So okay. that was for domestic flights. Yeah. Um, basically, across the globe, 3 million passengers fly on any given day. It's a lot. Yeah. Per day, right? Yeah. Yes. Um, and then there are a total of, in the U.S., 24,600 flights a day. Right? So if it was like... That's so many. Okay. So many. Yeah. Right? And the fact that there are so few crashes and fatalities when it's something... Like, so people will be like, oh my gosh, you know, there are... I think it's like 108 people... U.S. 109 people in the U.S. Um, deaths due to plane crashes from 2002 to 2007 were 109. And so 109 across people... Across a five-year span, huh? Yeah, yeah. across a five-year span when it's like 24 and a half thousand flights a day. Right? Yeah, right. Like, that's, that's like crazy safe. Yeah. Because, like, people die because they like, TVs fall on them. And oh, yeah. All, that's, all, all these kind of, like, other ones that crazy it, things, right? I don't think I so have it on. Statistically, this is really unlikely. Yes. Yeah. That same period, the 2002 to 2007, almost 200,000 people died due to automobile accidents. So yeah. the FAA has estimated flying is 200 times safer than driving. Yeah. And which, yet people, which, which but, is funny, right? Yeah, because that's when people are avoiding flying due to fear, they tend to drive instead. Yes, and often, you know, people yeah are fine with driving because mm-hmm. they've habituated to it and they do it so much. Yeah, because um, they've done it and they've had exposure to it. They're used to it. Yes, yeah. and often people say, "Well, I have a sense of control when I'm driving, whereas mm-hmm. I don't when I'm flying," which is true. But I always say things like, um, "The reason why they're getting towards like, right, like driverless cars is because." that accidents happen because people are not that great at driving. <laughs> like, we're yeah. not as good as we think we are. So that control is like a fallacy that I'm safe because I'm in control. Yeah, and, and that's really, that's that, that's control as a response to anxiety. Mm-hmm. You know, that's like a lot of our threat system stuff is what can I do to prevent this from happening? And so that control is your anxiety making you act in a way that feels as though you're doing something. Mm-hmm. It's just like, I like to flee in response to anxiety, so I'm going to flee. Sure, but it doesn't help you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that doing the control thing doesn't actually help you. In this situation, there's somebody else who is a uh, professional, and they have incredibly engineered machines that I think are doing a lot of the work too. Yeah. So yes, th- especially they really should be in control. You really shouldn't be in control of the flight. So yeah. Exactly. Well, yes, that they especially like with commercial airlines that they are having to fly so much, so frequently, right? Like they have tons of experience and get mm-hmm. good training. Um, also, yes, I think that piece of like the actual plane itself, because I had a client say like, "Well, turbulence really scares me. Like turbulence is a big piece of yeah, it." Yeah, turbulence thing is is a big issue for people. Yeah. So doing some research into that, that yeah, planes are built for turbulence and often when people when they're trying to escape turbulence it's to keep Mm -hmm. people more comfortable um but there are some times when people get hurt from turbulence um 58 people are injured every year in the u.s 
and it's the most common form of air injury due, due to turbulence, and that's primarily due to people not wearing their seatbelts uh-huh. during turbulence, and so okay. smacking around inside the plane uh-huh. for things. But okay. Not that high turbulence is correlated with plane crashes. That's not. Okay, so, so there's not a connection between turbulence and crashes. Mm-hmm. Okay, gonna, it's I, just it can be dangerous just because you're getting bustled around. Yes. Now. Okay. Yes, so that's why they do say like wear seatbelt mm-hmm. during those because yeah you're gonna get jostled and and could get hurt. So if it's set, if the seatbelt sign is on, we should should pay attention to that. Yes. Not, but go, not go to the bathroom. Yes, okay. but it's not because you're gonna crash. It's because yeah. you could. Yeah, like you can get bounced and around. bumped or something. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, that's good to know. I, I, I did. Um, I was working with someone once who was had this fear of flying, and they said that they spoke to I forget where spoke to somebody like to a pilot, and the pilot said that they avoid turbulence not because it's dangerous, but just because people get uncomfortable, and they said that if they're flying cargo instead of people, they just go straight through the turbulence because it has no impact on the plane and it's it's not a problem. So basically turbulence is not a problem, it's just it's less comfortable. I mean, maybe it's like driving on like a bumpy road sure. versus a smooth road. Sure. Bumpy road isn't gonna do anything wrong, it's just less comfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also read I this is a little crazy, I told you this. Yeah. That planes especially currently like compared to when they first started building planes are really built for turbulence that I read some like most modern planes can have wings flex up to 90 degrees yeah I'm trying to I'm trying to send it so, crazy? so the, the wings are built to be flexible I guess mm-hmm. right they're supposed to and so when they're moving if you look at it you see the wings moving they're it's because they're supposed to be doing that mm-hmm. right and they're built to go like 90 degrees is like almost straight all the way straight up <laughs> yes. right and they're not going to, like, That's amazing. tear yeah. off. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. So. Yeah. Hmm. I think that so is. So turbulence is okay. Turbulence is not going to correlate with yeah. plane crashes. It's not, it's not dangerous, right? I do think it is still is uncomfortable. It I'm, is uncomfortable. Like, like, kind of going back to that, um, maybe our innate sense of it's a bit uncomfortable not to be yeah. stable. Sure. I think I think really that, like, like, that's an issue, I think, as well. I mean, I think that's connected that idea of, of like, let me think about the dangers and all that. But mm-hmm. um, I think that's just your threat system takes it and runs with it, mm-hmm. you know, um, which is unhelpful. But I think that, like, sudden, when you do those sudden drops, sure. you know, like, we go on roller coasters to experience that same sensation because it's thrilling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's really like that same kind of innate, like, oh, my God, it just dropped. Or I'm like, I feel like my, the ground's unstable. I think my sister and I, when we were little kids and fly, we would like love turbulence because that very same thing. Like, yeah, it was the same roller coaster. Yes, because we loved roller coasters and like got well, so well, like excited kid, about kids, turbulence. Kids, you like grab them, you like throw them in the air, mm-hmm. and ca- you know that same sort of they always giggle with delight because mm-hmm. it's thrilling, right? Yes. So it's the like how you interpret or make meaning of yeah. the sensation, mm-hmm. whether or not it turns on your your threat system. Totally. For I, enjoyment. I, I will have like I'll be on flights and. There'll be one of those like real deep like drops mm-hmm. where all of a sudden you like go down like a bunch and it's like turbulent and it does that and I, I do feel my threat system sure. kick in and tell me oh we're going down this is it it's gonna happen and it's then like, you know like my my rational brain has to so I'm go okay you know I understand 
that thought is coming up because a, a drop like this feels scary. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean I have to buy into it. I, do, I know what it is. It's just my threat system overreacting. And then, you know, here I am. So it, was, is, it was wrong. <laughs> which is different than, right, like kind of talking about like the panic attack side of things mm-hmm. or just anxiety in general of the more I try to suppress that thought yeah. right? I shouldn't because I'll often have people with the fear of what if I go crazy on mm-hmm. a plane I, I need to keep it together I can't yeah. have a panic attack if I go crazy I can't be responsible for what I do and yeah. you know, I'm going to like open the door and jump off the plane or whatever yeah. and so it is that piece of right. you're not saying don't think this thought mm-hmm. don't think that this is dangerous to have turbulence. You're yeah. saying, oh, I'm recognizing it. I'm identifying yeah. it as this is an anxious thought. Totally. Um, and so there's a difference there, right? The yeah. more we try to like suppress it or squash mm-hmm. it or say, like, don't think must, better. Must not think it must yes, not. Yes, hold it together yeah. kind of thing. The more, right, it's like that white bear effect. The mm-hmm. more our brain thinks like, oh, taboo, interesting. I'm going to look for it a little more. Yeah, give you a little Where, more of it. Yeah, it's... Why is this something I shouldn't think it's like a... Mm-hmm. So don't, don't suppress it. Yeah, I mean, that, and that's kind of my thought too is I get it. It's my threat system kicking in. It's a different mm-hmm. part of my brain. kicks in. It says something terrifying. Oh, this is how all this is going to happen. It tells you that. You recognize, okay, that's my threat system. You have to step back to do this. Oh, that's my threat system. I know why it's doing that. It's doing mm-hmm. it for this reason. It is telling me all these things will happen. It wants me to go and start worrying and ruminating and like actively playing it out and instead I go no this is you know I understand why it's happening it's a bit overreactive Mm -hmm. so if I stay in the situation without fighting it and without escaping or controlling or anything it will just it'll learn it it'll learn through the experience which will make it a little less sensitive next time Sure. Yeah. Which is like not saying I can't be anxious mm-hmm. while I'm flying. This I, I can't have these thoughts while I'm flying. It is unacceptable for me yeah. to be anxious while flying. Mm-hmm. It might be, yeah, you know what? That was kind of scary. I'm probably going to be a little more anxious this flight. Yeah. And that's, that is very different than that thought suppression of like pull it together. Don't think that thought. Yep. Have it under control. Yeah. You need to appear normal, mm-hmm. right? It's supposed to like. Yep. I understand why it's there. Mm-hmm. Don't do what it says. It's probably going to be here. Yeah. Uh, let it... Give it some space to mm-hmm. be there. It's it's doing what it's supposed to do right mm-hmm. now. And then take your attention and re-engage with what matters to you in the moment. Yes. Rather than engaging into threat processing. Yes. Analyzing everything and scheming and monitoring things. Engage into something that matters to you. Yeah. So we're kind of moving on now to, yeah, that piece of, like, what to do. So, yeah, maybe I yeah. know that, like... The likelihood of dangerous things happening on a plane is really low, but regardless, my threat system is turned on, mm-hmm. right? Because like doing the cognitive restructuring stuff doesn't turn that off; it just helps to kind of reduce how strongly you believe in that. Threat. Yeah, I, I think of it as doing that cognitive restructuring gives you it allows you to get the distance, mm-hmm. the detachment from it. From the yeah. Thought, yeah, cognitive diffusion you might call it, or <laughs> detachment. <laughs> Um, or separation, people call it all types of things, but it gives you that distance to recognize the thought. Mm-hmm. And there's no and way... decide what to do with it. Yeah, there's no way I would do something different if I didn't recognize the thought yeah. or have a little perspective. Yeah. Separate from it. Mm-hmm. Identify the thought. So, yeah, so now you're talking yeah. about, like, that attention training, what you're mm-hmm. doing, the detachment and shifting of attention. 
in yeah. response to, okay, you know, the threat system's turned on, my amygdala's firing, <laughs> like, I'm anxious, um, what to do, mm-hmm. what to do with it. So, yeah. Yeah, so, so my, my method is, again, thinking in terms of the threat system kicks in. The th- what does the threat system want you to do? Don't do that. The threat system is, you know, it's... Saying worry. Yeah, it's this alarm off. It's telling you, take, you know, scan around. Scan and look for who else is, looks anxious. Like, are, are the flight attendants looking worried? Mm. You know, like, check the check the weather report on the thing. Like, to, um, start to imagine all the things that could go wrong and actively sp- plan it out and what's going to happen and calculate the odds, all that sort of stuff. That's all threat processing. Mm-hmm. It's treating this thought as though it's actually predicting real. something that's really dangerous, mm-hmm. treating it as a real threat. High probability. Yeah. So in the situation, we want to treat it as not a big threat. So that involves not getting up, not going around, not checking stuff, and instead thinking, well, if, if there was no threat, what would I do? Mm. That's what I, I love that question. Yeah. And that, that guides all this because this is, you're trying to not do what the threat system, which is loud, is telling you to do. Best way to do that is what would I do if I wasn't anxious? I love that one. And then do that. Mm-hmm. And I think like the more, I mean, that's why I always think of, you know, me, like thinking of values. Like, yeah, if this wasn't happening, what would I want to be doing right now? Yeah. Like what, what is important to me? What mm-hmm. do I, what do I care about? Not what anxiety is telling me to care about. Mm-hmm. And yes, it doesn't mean that that's automatically going to be where your attention stays and, oh, now I can read this novel I've always wanted to read easily, right? Your no. attention's probably going to be pulled back a There's bunch. There's still a threat system yelling it, at you. Yeah. At least at the, the beginning. It will calm down over time. But yeah. mm-hmm. And it's hard to be reading that novel while you've got you know, kind of someone next to you yelling at you. Mm-hmm. So that is also why I'll tell people, like, hey, bring, like, pretty engaging things, right? Because it's like yeah. you're, yeah, fighting with somebody, like an obnoxious person yelling at you on the plane, right? It's mm-hmm. hard to, if I'm trying to read something super boring or do something super boring, yeah. try to not pay attention to this person yelling at me. <laughs> yeah. So, so, yeah. So bring something that you enjoy and yeah. care about. Yeah. Because if all you've got is the free magazine... Oh, that they, they put in the front pocket is something more difficult. Yes, yes. Yeah. So, um, I'm trying to think, should we keep with the attention shift stuff or talk about some of because safety behaviors? Because I think, uh-huh. yeah, right. I think it's all like, what is the intent? Because like, if you are bringing all of these things, so I don't think you know. If I'm bringing like mm-hmm. novels and magazines and my, you know, iPad and all this stuff to distract me from anxious thoughts because I can't have anxious thoughts, right? Yeah. Like, that's setting yourself up for failure. Yeah, no, I, I think of it more in terms of it's something that you can choose to engage with while while you know the threat system is there. Yeah. Trying to get you to do something else. You're not getting rid of the threat system. This is to help you not do what it wants. Mm-hmm. So to help you starve it out. Yes. So I think that's a big, like, it's subtle but important, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. That difference between, like, I have to squash this, these scary thoughts, and I need to squash them by put, yeah. wrestling to put all my attention on my iPad or whatever, as opposed yeah. to, like, okay, it's going to be there. Those yeah. thoughts and 
feelings and you know maybe physical sensations will yeah. be yeah. there. Discomfort will be there. Yeah, the but going to be there, and it's probably going to pull me out of my iPad many, many times. Mm-hmm. But every time I choose to say like, okay, you're here, I get it, makes sense. Yeah. I put my attention Got back it. where Try I want system. it to be. Re-engage back into what I care about. Yeah, as opposed to don't think that, don't think that, don't think that. Yeah. Focus it, uh, shove it back onto your iPad. Like, yeah, that's not gonna work. That's not gonna work. It's gonna stress you out more. It's gonna stress you out more and make you check back in with the fear thoughts more and yeah. cause it to grow. Versus you're here, I can expect that you're gonna be here. Probably gonna take my attention off this a lot of times, but I'm gonna try again to put my attention back where I want it to be. Yeah, um, it's kind of a gentler approach. But mm-hmm. the goal is to kind of starve it out. Yeah, that's the thing about it. If if you don't do what it says, it won't get stronger. Yeah. And you, you're basically kind of teaching. Your throat system is trying to help you. It's trying to kick in when you're in danger to give you all the protective thoughts and motivation and energy that you need to survive. The problem is, and what we work on is when that's kicking in, when there's not an actual threat. So all you get is a bunch of discomfort. So we're teaching it by, by choosing not to do what the threat system says. Scan, check, protect, worry, ruminate. By choosing not to do that, you weaken it, you teach it. No, I'm safe in this environment. This is okay. Mm-hmm. And it, it learns over time, oh, okay, you don't need me here. And it starts to calm down. Mm-hmm. And it starts to need a worse trigger in, in order to kick in. And that's really what we're trying to do is change the threshold. We're not getting rid of the system. The system's great. Yeah. It's a thing we, that... We're just changing the threshold of when it kicks in. Yes. Yes. You're like, thank you, amygdala. I don't need yeah. this turned up in this situation. I get it. You're thinking this is the same mm-hmm. as a tiger coming at me. This is different. And let's work through this process. You know, sometimes, sometimes people like it if you kind of talk about it as being like a sort of a scared little kid, you know, that will like kick in and start to, you know worry and run around and do all that stuff uh, with stuff that's not actually scary to an adult mm-hmm. you kind of need to go oh no this, it's okay this is, it's not that bad mm-hmm. teach you you know teach you that this is not actually dangerous sure and then you, can, you know sort of kid can learn it's not it's not scary through experience yeah but you probably can't just like tell it to stop or yes tell it to shut up or anything it's probably not going to work it's not going to work yeah. it's got to learn that it's safe Yes, it's got to, like, yeah, learn through experience. Yeah. Like, oh, I didn't spend that whole flight worrying or mm-hmm. thinking again and again and again about the worst case scenario. Yeah. And I landed in the plane mm-hmm. and I could do it again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think, like, ex- oh, so exposure. Exposure. I was gonna say, so we got to talk about exposure because yep. exposure is, I mean, so we've, we've essentially been talking about exposure, but fear of flying, the hard part is the flying. you can't just go to <laughs> do, like, real-life exposures all the time because... Mm-hmm. It's expensive. It's expensive. It takes and time. time-consuming, and mm-hmm. it's also hard to measure. Like, you got to you got to be on the flight for the whole time, so you've got to mm-hmm. be on the exposure the whole time. Mm-hmm. So this, well, is, this is sort of a difficult one. What, what do you do with that? Oh... I kind of love all the stuff leading up to it, yeah. too. I mean, it's prime for imaginal exposure, mm-hmm. right? Like, imagining yourself in the situation um, over and over and over and over and over again. Because, right, I think of imaginal exposure as great for 
anticipatory yeah, anxiety. Any like worry. Anything yeah. where you can't actually be there. It's wonderful. You kind of think of an image or a f- say a phrase out loud along with an image over and over and over and over and over and over again until it starts to dissipate a bit. Got you. Yeah. So, so for, for that kind of thing, it's come up with like a sort of a paragraph's worth of yeah. here's what I'm worried about. Make sure that you're imagining it vividly. Because our, our, you know, our threat system's not good at differentiating between reality and fantasy. Yeah. So maybe like an example, mm-hmm. for those who don't know, of an imaginal exposure in this case would be like writing down a paragraph and saying out loud it might be like, I walk through security, I am waiting at the gate for my flight, they call my number and I check in and I walk down the jet bridge, Mm -hmm. I get on the plane and I sit down and situate myself, the plane takes off and it's shaky, I start to Mm -hmm. get anxious, Um, we're in the air and I feel a lot of anxiety and there's some turbulence, I feel really scared. Um, eventually we land, I feel some relief, and I get off the plane. That may be like a lower level one, because it's not like worst case scenario, but that's a great entryway, Mm -hmm. right, into like, if there's an image that goes along with that too, Uh like saying that paragraph, it might be like 50 times, you know, like five, 10 minutes. And and what you'll find is, we do do this all the time, what you'll find is if you stick to that script and that image, after you've done it a certain number of times, like it, your anxiety will increase at first because you're facing it. But if you continue through it, it will start to come down. Your brain will start to get bored of that. So that's imaginal exposure. Yeah, which so is the opposite of avoidance, yeah. trying to worry to fix it. Yeah, which is threat system. Trying to see what will I do yeah. in this situation? What will I do in this situation? Right, this is me just like bring it on. Yeah, facing it, tolerating it, giving your brain a chance to get bored. Mm-hmm. And because your amygdala works in experience, it can't just say it once and it's done, right? It's yeah. got to kind of, I was thinking like marinate in the anxiety yeah. a bit to for it to, yeah, has to start to come down a bit. Yeah. And again, what you're doing here is you're teaching, you're teaching that threat system, that scared little kid, this is okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay. See, this, it's just a scary image. Mm-hmm. It's just a scary thought. Mm-hmm. It's just a scary idea. It, yeah, it's sort of like a kid, like mm-hmm. afraid, to, like, let's look under the bed. You know, yeah. you're so afraid that what is, what's down, let's look, let's face it, let's yeah. see. And then mm-hmm. looking again. Let's look again. And again. Let's look again. And again. And again. And mm-hmm. someone gets bored of, of looking under there. Mm-hmm. And then you go to the closet. <laughs> yeah. Do that one next. <laughs> but one at a time. I think that's yeah. a big piece is yeah. people do an imaginal explosion. And then what about this thought? And then what yeah, about this Yeah, they bring in something new, they jump fix it. Yeah, no, nope, just this. Script it out. Mm-hmm. It's one piece you're looking at. Yep. So that, I think that imaginal thing, the imaginal exposure is great um, it would be awesome if people could take one flight every day yeah we'd get over this real quick can't though um, so the other type of exposure is I mean I'm sort of inclined to call it almost like virtual reality exposure because like if, um, you have to step beyond imaginal but it's not in yeah it's step beyond imaginal so there's been a bunch of research in the last like whatever 15-20 years on virtual reality treatment of flying phobia because it's expensive and hard to get on the yeah. flights all the time and so they've you know there's the old days of the big old headsets and cost thousands and thousands of dollars and you know, all this stuff to create this, the the experience of being like on a flight super expensive clunky stuff um, which 
I don't, I don't know who in the world has that 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 equipment to use, but um, the good the good news is they did some research recently. So the more like um, virtual reality takes you in, um, they call that high presence. Like the more senses it. Yeah. It so like uses. it sort of has motion stuff, and it's like really like intricate, and Sounds you feel like you're in there. Then that's that is a uh, high presence. Super expensive. Luckily. People started doing research and found out, wait, if you have a low presence, it's just as effective really? in treating awesome. flying phobia. Well, good, because we use, like, YouTube videos all the time. <laughs> so that brings us to our way of doing this. It is low presence because we don't have the equipment to give you all this stuff. However, luckily, our emotional brains, we don't need this. We can do it with just thinking about stuff. You know, we, we get pulled into things that aren't real all the time. We do role-play exposures where we do a fake interview or something. And sometimes that's just as... Mm-hmm. you know anxiety provoking as an actual it. interview because the emotional brain doesn't need it to be real it responds anyway so for us our way of doing it is people have YouTube videos of where they just get their phone out or oh a gosh. GoPro or something They're so great and it's wonderful because it gives you a through the eyes yeah, first, first person, person experience, experience. <laughs> of being on a flight and I've used different ones over time. There's some very turbulent flights. There's ones where people are freaking out all around you. There's normal every day. I just sent one or did one with a client today Yeah. that they had a YouTube video of her actual flight, like the flight that she's going to be oh, taking. Oh, amazing. Yes. Okay. So it was just a, like a normal, like, you know, not extreme turbulence or anything yeah. like that, but like here's a normal flight of it. Like people take videos of like super boring yeah. flights and which post is, it on YouTube. Which is great for us. And we would do this in the same way. Mm-hmm. That the more of the flight process you see, the closer it is maybe to your fears or to your experience, whatever, mm-hmm. it's great. Um, but it's exposure. So what, what, we, what we do is we have you have you look at it again and again and again. I, I don't know about you, I try to increase the presence by saying turn all the lights off, let's have as big a screen as possible, sit really close to it, try to really give you a chance to immerse in the experience. Never done the turn the lights off. Yeah. My hope is, I'm still hoping that uh, we can get a projector mm-hmm. so you can do like a computer or a phone projection on the wall so it's a big wall sized. Yeah. That's that's still one of my hopes. It hasn't, it hasn't happened yet. I'm hopeful that will. Mm-hmm. Um, or else you can do those those Samsung headset things. Yeah. Just put on the headset. We're um, not getting paid by Samsung, by the way. Yeah, no. Yet. yet. Samsung. Yes. Send, send, <laughs> us some, send us some free virtual reality oh, yes, stuff. And please. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about how, how it goes. Um, but yeah, but then just watch it again and again and again and again and again. Mm-hmm. And I use that all the time. Yeah, same here. It's great. I mean, you can escalate the videos from the easy ones to the really turbulent, scary ones. Mm-hmm. I've even done with people, it's not quite the same thing, but, like, who haven't flown in a really long time. Yeah. We'll start really small and kind of the hierarchy of exposure to, like, looking at children's books about flying. Because there's tons of kids' yeah. books uh-huh. about how even just, like, the mechanics of flying and how huh? flying works and things like that. And just, right, even that is, like, starting low because it's, like, pictures, you know, yeah. of, like, facing it. And so if I'm so scared of thinking about this, um, here's a way to, like, start leaning into it and kind of building up from there. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, I've done plenty where we go to the airport and just hang out at the yeah, airport, that's which a, is great. That's another exposure, yeah, but if you, you can't get you necessarily on the flight all the time, but yeah, I've had people do that too. Go sit in the parking lot, go wait inside, go up to the ticket terminals, mm-hmm. do all the stuff that just gets your brain used to the airport. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that can be really helpful too. Because, <laughs> excuse me, a lot of times it's the fear of flying, but it's the whole fear of the process Yeah. of it too. Because you do have to wait. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lot. Because I think, like, you and I talked a bit about this. Like, the flying is annoying for anybody, even if you don't have... A, like, I love flying. I think it's really stressful. And it's, yeah, like it, yeah, right? Like, there's a lot of people, mm-hmm. and you're going and You're constantly stopping. You're constantly yes. just waiting. Again, I'm going to wait in this process, <coughs> wait in that process, wait in that process, wait in that process. Yeah, got to stop and go. Yeah. And people aren't always polite. <laughs> the airports <laughs> are all, like, discombobulated yeah. and rushing to get somewhere and things but um i will often talk in thinking about like the values like what i want to shift my attention to yeah um i often will think about like yeah if if you had zero anxiety what would you want to be doing because this is how i it's less so now that i have kids because flying with kids is super stressful and flying in general is stressful but like historically i love flying and so i'm trying to think of like what are the parts of it that I love mm-hmm. and I try to think of it as like what are things that I would not normally do in my everyday life and like make it enjoyable in that uh-huh. way right so like, like eat fish and oh, stuff yeah. well <laughs> things that I would want to do uh-huh. <laughs> like I don't know get like a fancy coffee drink when I get there or get you know buy like some uh-huh. So treat yourself. Yes, like trashy magazine or read like a book I'm dying to read. Which is is interesting because I think neurologically what you're doing is you're tapping into pleasure circuits. Totally. Instead of like anxiety, survival. Yes. So there's like the stressful parts of it, but it's kind of, yeah, offset by like, oh, these things that I enjoy and I'm looking forward to. Which which to to think about this from a values perspective... The reason people come in to treat flying phobia is they want to do yes. so many things. Yes, they want to travel, they want to see their do. family, they want, yeah. yes. And it's willing, you're willing to suffer all the discomfort because there are family things, there's there's weddings, you know, there's family vacations, there's going to places, you know, all this stuff that really so many see memories the world. come mm-hmm. from, right? experiences. So that's what makes it worth tolerating all this and having to come see us and do these things mm-hmm. because yeah at the end of the day why you don't have to fly like why are you yeah. choosing to fly yeah so much of it is this like values piece like what kind of life do I want do I want anxiety dictating what my life looks like yeah. or can anxiety kind of be along for the ride no pun intended but I'm I'm yeah. the one choosing what my yeah. life looks like and I do like to to remember and I've always said to people like if you're on the flight anxious there is a great proportion of the flight that's also mm-hmm. also anxious. We now know it's somewhere between 10 and 40%. I mean, maybe not technically since some of them may not have flown, but we know there's you're in good company. Yes. Well, and, too, right, like, there's a lot of programs out there specifically for yeah. fearful flyers, and yeah. um, a lot of the airlines, too, even have, like, parts on their website that will talk about it yeah. or have programs themselves that will you know yeah. cater to people with fearful flying and um so it's yeah it's not uncommon at all yeah. for sure um yeah i'm trying to and, think of any pieces else did it bring up anything else i mean um i know in some of the research into treating this 
you need the cognitive therapy component of it. Because nobody's doing it if you believe your anxious thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. ways to challenge your anxious and thoughts. And you've got to get in there. And, and I, I think of that too as being you got to learn to separate. Mm-hmm. you got to learn to, to detach, diffuse. Mm-hmm. Um, you need an exposure piece. Got to do it. Got to face and it. One thing I thought was interesting, they, they have all the success with the virtual reality exposures. Um, and then they did a study where they're like, well, let's see how it is versus something else. And they called it like, uh, it was basically, they just went and met in a group with a therapist. There was no treatment techniques. They just talked about fear of flying. And after the six-month follow-up, that was just as effective as doing the virtual reality exposure by itself. Oh, really? Shows, like, the effectiveness of how important exposure is? Yeah, but but it showed that showing up to a sort of a connective, supportive environment mm-hmm. was just as effective as virtual reality exposure over time, which I thought was really interesting. I wonder why that is. Yeah. So I was trying to, I was trying to figure it out, too, and I wonder if it was just... One, there was support, but I think it was talking about... Yeah, talking about... Fear of flying. So talking kind about of an exposure. it, I, I think it was part... Yeah, it's partly doing like a marginal exposure. Mm-hmm. It's dealing with it. It's probably also helping create some detachment because when you take your fears and put them into words and say them out loud, mm-hmm. that alone creates some separation. And mm-hmm. hearing someone else say the same thing as you, you know. But but to me, that was, that was made me think, you know, the components of treating this, part of it's therapeutic connection. Yeah. Part of it's cognitive therapy, part of it's exposure in, in the ways that you want to do it. Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's uh, it's kind of largely what I had. Um, what are your favorite parts of flying? Of flying? Mm-hmm. So the good parts? Mm-hmm. Um, I really like it. Um, I really like it when they have the screens on the back of the TV in front of you. I honestly get really annoyed now when they don't <laughs> um, but when they have that um, I would just sit there like you don't normally get to just sit there and watch a bunch of dumb stuff yes so I kind of enjoy that so like I know that on those flights I can't watch like a real serious good, totally. good movie so I watch like um like, movies you didn't really like, like action, pay for in yeah, the theater <laughs> yeah like, like action disaster movies or like those like really dumb comedies totally yeah. ones you would like yeah feel silly mm-hmm. paying money to go see totally. <laughs> yeah the things that, and the things that I also wouldn't like at home elect to go choose as a movie yes. to watch I will sit like I'll do um, Australia flights mm-hmm. and those are it's multiple legs but the longest leg is like 15 hours oh wow and I've been doing them since I was 18 I'm an expert at it and <laughs> I just put on you put on dumb movies one after another after another <laughs> I, you can't I agree. watch dramas you can't watch anything serious you no. just dumb stuff again yeah. again again I agree I, I go often for the like silly comedy yeah stuff um yeah I know I used I think like back in grad school I used to like bring work along yeah, I used to have my computer like, and I used to, to do computer stuff, but I don't do that anymore. Yes, because flying is already right. You're like it's so tight and cramped and yeah. everything. Like That's so why I decided. I'm gonna and people would like, put their their seats back. Oh yeah, and that knocks your computer screen forward and. Yeah, I, just, I don't do that anymore. Well, that's why I think I went for the idea of trying to make it like a spa day because it's, right? No, so do. Even if it's not something you're anxious about, there is a, a lot of stress in flying because, right, they're uh-huh. trying to put a lot of people into a small place and things like that. What do so, you think about, speaking of spa day and enjoying it, um, what do you think about the alcohol piece? Oh. Because 
that's a, I mean, yes, it's a very common alcohol thing. I know there's some research saying people use alcohol. Mm-hmm. I think to I, avoid anxiety. Yeah, I think 20% of people are using, uh, using alcohol to avoid their anxiety on flights. Sure. So it's hard. It's, I think it's, in other words, it's nice. It's one of the perks is they come around with wine and they give you all this. Well, I think that's nice, a difference but, between, yeah. that's like, right, how a safety behavior is a safety behavior yeah. versus for two people, right, one might be a safety behavior, one might not. Yeah. Because, yeah, I think it's the purpose to avoid that feeling of anxiety. Mm-hmm. Then I'm going to say, like, yeah, that's going to, pardon my French, but, like, bite you in the ass. <laughs> in the short term, it might feel a little better. In the long term, it's going to make it worse for the next flight. Yeah. Um, but I think if it's, like, you're thinking of it as, right, like, a spa day or, like, when mm-hmm. I've gone on flights, like, with friends to go away for the weekend or yeah. going to a friend's wedding or something like that, like, having yeah. a drink on the plane is, like, a fun thing. Yeah. Um, but But if it's... If it's to avoid your anxiety, anxiety, it's going to backfire. It's going to backfire. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately. Mm Mm-hmm. And if, like... Got to cut it off until the anxiety comes down, which it will, yeah. Yes. Yes. Or, I mean, right, how we often think of exposure is, like, graduated. So if, like, you're getting on a plane frequently, but you're only doing it if you are, like, using tons of alcohol, okay, let's take a step back from that. (laughs) Let's have one less drink. Uh (laughs) One fewer drink when we're flying like ways to start leaning into anxiety as um, sure. opposed to keeping up the avoidance of it so yeah I yeah. guess that's my my thinking of with safety behaviors right like you want difficult but doable what's a yeah. way to start leaning into it maybe I can't take it all on at once uh-huh. but a step towards it to start to retrain my brain because ultimately I think like the I have a couple of big goals I always think of the goal really is to live a life according to your values and not according to what anxiety says uh-huh. but I also think what we're working on is shifting that relationship with anxiety mm-hmm. from it shows up and I do what it says yeah. and I you know avoid the heck out of it to I can change it to anxiety bully bring it on I can take it mm-hmm. you're not the boss of me you know you can you can be along for the ride can tolerate you i'm not gonna you know let you dictate my life and really like start to take steps towards it so i think of that all with it like sounds good yeah um any flights coming up for you no i just did a whole bunch um and now i'm nothing i mean currently nothing until my annual trip to disney world in january awesome yeah which is nice because in Austin, direct flight to Orlando. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, and what about you? Um, I may be flying soon with a client. Huh. Okay. To do some fearful flying exposure. So, to be. Is, is this a situation where your client would not get on the flight if you weren't there? Mm, maybe. Maybe. Okay. Um, I did come across some research, Uh-oh. you might be interested to know, Yeah. Um, that found uh, they had some, I think like half the people, the therapist came on the flight, and half of them, they went by themselves. Well, yeah, I'm not sure she would go by herself. Yeah. So that's that's really what I was asking, because mm-hmm. it, it is far better to go on the flight than to not go on the flight. Mm-hmm. Um, what right, they found like- is people who, part of treatment, had the therapist come on the flight, were no less anxious than people who who went by themselves, mm-hmm. and the outcomes were no were no different. So, something to, to, yep. to think about in there. Well, How, I think the goal yeah. is to I'm going to fly there, yeah. and then the client is going to fly 
back. That sounds good. The other piece about that research too is I guess they were trying to control the amount of treatment someone had. So the therapist was on the flight but was forbidden to talk. What? So you couldn't do any treatment or helping the person use use the skills or practice it in the moment. You ha- you would have to just sit there silently. So I think That's in my mind that may have that may have uh, skewed skew the results a little bit, but <laughs> Interesting that that was coming up right when I knew you were taking this yeah, this flight. I my personal thought is it doesn't really apply um, if you're not because you're therapy. likely to say say something mm-hmm. during the flight. Mm-hmm. But for all those people who cannot afford to have their oh, therapist yeah. come on a flight with them, you don't need it. Yeah, you can the, do it. The, the, the outcomes are ju- the, the outcomes are just as good if you go by yourself. Yes, and yeah, start with like doable. Maybe yeah. it's a short flight, but a flight. Go somewhere where you're really interested and there's some cool things you want to do. You yeah. know, the more values and interest you can bring to it, the better. If you feel like going to the really extreme, Uh-oh. we know someone who is a pilot, a oh. former former anxious flyer who's now a pilot, who will do things like turn the engine off while in the flight and let it drop down so you can do exposure to that too. That's for the real extreme, if you're interested. That's for like the OCD... Lick the toilet exposure. Yeah, when you want to go so <laughs> you far, you can, you can do anything. <laughs> yep. So that option's there, through. but it's start small. Yeah, you can do it. Yeah, doable steps. Well, thanks, everybody, yeah. for listening. Um, again, if you have podcast requests, we're always curious as to what people are interested in, yeah. what we can talk yeah, about. What, and what, what, you, what you're interested in, what we're, asked, we're looking for stuff to talk about. Yeah, too. we have lots of interests, and so lining them up would be good um yeah. so uh marianne at anxietyaustin.com i think is my email address <laughs> yep and i'm thomas at anxietyaustin.com and you can also go to thomassmithyman.com yes and it just redirects you to my <laughs> my normal, hey. normal page but it's easier right yeah something I, I, I think it's easier <laughs> i haven't checked it on in a while i'm sure it's working yes um but we are here at the anxiety treatment center of austin yeah. and yeah come, check us out come, come check us out Come see us. Come to group. Yes. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.